Hello, welcome back to the Inting Podcast. Today we got some special guests. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Annie, will go do first, you want to go first? Oh, okay, <laughs> Annie will go first. Um, yeah, hi, my name is Annie, and I am known as a lot of different things. I'm an event planner, a marketing professional, but most people in the Valorant community probably know me as a community moderator for Galerants, which is the largest Valorant community for female and non-binary players, or as um, an in-game observer, or as a broadcast producer. Hi, I'm Kelsey. Uh, people probably online know me as Casey Honeycrisp or Casey. And um, I'm just known as an observer. I've branched out a little bit besides Valorant now and done like some Apex stuff and mobile games, but mostly Valorant. Cool. So I guess the first thing I want to ask about, how do you like become an observer? Like, like what, what are the, what are the, uh, the steps to like get in there? Because I know, like, for casting, like, uh, you just do a small bunch of small gigs and your name gets branded. But like, observer, I feel like it's such a the such an interesting way it's of getting kind in of the the same. So like the way I started out, um, I started playing Valorant from the beta at the very get go, um, and I got introduced into Galerants, which is the the server that Annie is a mod in um it's basically just a community of women and non-binary people who um just play valorant together in other video games as well um but also like tournaments and other stuff i'm i'm sure lots of people have heard of it yeah Um, it's gotten pretty big now Mm -hmm. um but so i just started out there they have these things called in-houses which is or used to be at least um weekly games on the weekend they're sort of just for fun um, but there are a, a place for people to like practice playing, um, get better at the game. And then also they um, started having people observe them and also cast them as well. Um, and that's still going on today and mm-hmm. you can still like get use them for practice. Um, but that was the main place that I learned to start observing. And and then uh, Day's Dreams took me under her wing and um, just helped me like learn more about observing, started, you know, getting my name out there to sort of get bigger opportunities. Um, but it's it's pretty much the same thing as casting, where it's just like a lot of practice um, wherever you can, even if it's just like scrims. It doesn't have to be anything official, but just getting mm-hmm. in the game to like figure out the mechanics of it. Yeah. Huh. Now, what, what do you think is like the most difficult part about observing? most difficult part huh i think um i don't know if this is the most difficult but something that is definitely challenging is finding a balance between um you know telling a story or getting kills (laughs) especially during like very busy busy rounds like 5v5 Mm. retakes for example are an example are situations where it's sometimes hard as an observer to decide who you want to focus on or where you want to focus your observing on um Mm -hmm. because that largely influences how the casters are going to tell the story too um i found that for myself i struggle a lot with trying to find room for getting frags while still telling the story of doing visual storytelling of a match and its players and the teams that are competing in it because it's not just about getting kills when you're observing an fps game especially a tactical shooter like valorant Mm -hmm. it's about catching patterns like are the attackers constantly doing burst executes onto a site is that do you notice any particular molly lineups that they regularly do are the defenders also getting aggro and like getting a lot of space that is preventing attackers from coming out, for example. Those are things that we have to showcase, but there are also viewers that are going to um, bag on you a little bit if you're not um, on it getting kills also. Yeah. yeah. Twitch chat's crazy. When it comes they, to want to see, they want to see every kill that happens, but mm-hmm. yeah, not understanding the uh, 
the rest of the game around it, I guess. I've noticed uh, when I watch other regions, observers do a different kind of way each region. So when I was watching EMEA, I feel like they were observing in a different kind of way that NA does it. Or like they're, uh, they, they, for some reason, EMEA really likes to do like, um, not in the first person, but like third person view and like all uh, up top. So I, I noticed they like to do a lot of that. But like in NA, it's a, a lot, they do always first person view. So like, is it uh, like, what do you think would be the better? Like for, uh, how do I say it? Like a viewer, a viewer standpoint. I I always think it just really depends on the style. I mean, I feel like every observer has their different kind of style, um, and sort of game director too, which is the person switching between the third person view and the first person view. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just uh, really however you can best like convey the information or what's happening. Um, and so in certain certain uh, circumstances, like there have been observers who use like a very um, 2D type of view where it's just like straight up and down, you know, so you're just like yeah. looking down at the players, which can look really cool when there's like eight smokes laid out, you know, you walls, walls everywhere. It's yeah. really easy to read that way. Other times you want to see something where it's more, you know, you have a bit more distance where it's a bit more like face on if there's like two shock darts coming in and they're going to get a kill. Like that's cooler to see from a non like 2d point of view. Um, so I think it really always just depends on the circumstance. So okay, it also so... depends a lot on the production setup too. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say there's a better one between first and third person, because sometimes you don't even get a choice. So you only get to have one solo observer. It's very difficult as, um, a solo observer to do both first person and third person observing in the same broadcast. Usually mm-hmm. when you see somebody, when you see a broadcast that's switching between cinematic third person perspectives and first person, there's at least two observers in game capturing yeah. all of that action. Mm. So like, do you guys have, so for example, if you guys are doing the observing, do you have someone on your ear saying, Oh, switch to like, for example, if we're doing VCT, like, I'll switch to Vanity's standpoint, he's doing a lurk. Like, do you have someone on your ear telling you what to do? Or are you guys like, all right, this is what I feel like is going to be the best for viewer standpoint? A little bit of both. Um, you, like, sometimes your second observer, even like a, your game director will call out things that you might not be seeing immediately. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll say like, hey, there's a lurk happening here. Like, keep your eye out for it. Um, but it's ultimately up to you to what you think is important in that moment to show. So, like, if you recognize that that lurk's happening, but they're like pretty far and they're not, you know, it's not going to be beneficial to the story right away, then maybe you don't go to it. But it's helpful for, um, you know, your in game director or your other observer to like call out those sort of things. So, when you guys are saying a story, do you have, do you, can you guys hear the casters as well? Or is it like, is it like, do you want the casters to like work around you guys? How do you guys usually manage that? Sometimes we hear casters, sometimes we don't. Um, there are also sometimes where you have the option to listen to the casters, but they might be three seconds behind you. And that's just yeah. a matter of how the production is set up. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally like to work with my casters. I think that observing and casting are hand in hand in telling the story of um, any given map, any given round. So if, for example, with the flank, um, I hear a caster pointing out that there is a player um, flanking the team and I notice that they're coming in pretty closely there's about to be a point of contact soon then I will switch to that flank player because it's disorienting for a viewer to hear a caster talk about a flank when you're watching a site execute so in that situation if you know the caster wants to focus on that part I will switch to it yeah. um, and there are also times where, you know, the casters just want you as the observer to lead the way. It really depends from person to person. And I try to check in with casters prior to working with them, how they want to kind of work things out as well as a mid broadcast check in Mm -hmm. as well. I think it's really interesting that like, I've never heard this before, like Valorant that like with casting and like observing and stuff that like telling the story is like, such a big part of it. I feel like 
I've never heard that before in like I don't know, like CS:GO or like other things. I thought I think that's like a really interesting concept. Do you like elaborate more kind of on like what that means? <laughs> um it's sort of so like getting every kill can be cool but a lot of times it can be disorienting if you're just especially like if they're across the map you're just going back and forth and if that's really all the action you see it's kind of just like a highlight reel you're not really getting any in-depth info on the teams you're not seeing their strats play out you're really just seeing a shooting range of like aim practice basically yeah um so when we say telling the story it often involves like strats or utility that we might notice that we want to pick up on if a viper's throwing down like let's say we're an ice box and a viper's attacker viper in the spawn they're throwing a smoke from mid maybe you show that off and maybe that mid smoke becomes really impactful later in the round where they're either all going to lurk through it and execute on b site or that's like denying vision or something about that, right? That it might be important. Um, so showing off those types of utilities or strats and saying, oh, well, look, they're executing here with, you know, two are taking this site while two or, you know, three are distracting on another site, but sort of just building the story of that round of sort of what's happening in that round um, is important rather than just sitting on a person saying, okay, well, they're going to get this kill and we're just going to ignore everything else because yeah. we just want to get the kill. So when you guys notice someone's like on the team's like, uh, for example, Frisky Saya player, like you notice him, like he's on fire, like, oh, he's hitting his shots. He's dropping like, he's always about to drop 30. Do you guys put more emphasis on him because he's right now like catching fire and he's catching a lot of like, he's going to be, he's going to be like the, you're going to see, essentially see a lot of clips from him. So do you guys like try to focus on players that you see, oh, he's like cooking up. He's like, he's on fire. So we're going to go to him and we're going to like focus on that person. It depends. Um, and I actually had a situation like this observing last week um, mm. where a couple times, actually, there was just one star player in either series that was getting a bunch of kills. I think someone dropped a 30 bomb um, at one point. And in that situation, what I had chosen to do was to focus on that player when I noticed that them fragging out was important to the story. So for example, um, TSM Academy has a player called Harmful and Harmful just freaking popped off on one of these maps in the Knights Gauntlet last week. Um, he was getting like, I think he got three 4Ks with an op. Um, and once I noticed like, you know, Harmful has an op in his hands, he's about to make contact with somebody, that's when I would switch to them. Um, because in the end, even though it's just somebody getting kills, it's important to the story. Like this person is popping off so hard, they don't know how to stop him. That's the story. Yeah. yeah. Um, in other situations, though, where it's like, I think the harder part is when it's a team stomp. When one team is just so much performing so much better than their opponents that it results in like a 13-2 or something. Um, it's kind of difficult then to choose who you want to focus on. Is the story here? Look at this team popping off. Oh my God, they're so good. Or is the story, how is this team who is struggling so hard right now going to pick things back up? And what that might mean sometimes is if you're choosing to focus on the losing team, um, you're going to get a lot of death perspectives, but it's, again, it's part of the story, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually really interesting to think about. Do you either make the one team look really good or like hope for a comeback on the other? <laughs> Have you guys like ever um, observed like a comeback where someone comes back from like a like 11 to three comeback and you guys are like, okay, like they're getting a few rounds. Maybe we just like, let's put more like emphasis on the losing team. Let's see how it works. And like, you guys try to resolve around that. Like, how do you guys, when, it, when you guys notice that happening, how do you guys like change the story to the losing team? It's, I guess it's sort of just more like spectating their point of view and what's happening or like what they're doing. That's making the impact of why they're starting to win these rounds back. 
So whether it's like, you know, one person on the losing team starting to pop off, there was I think it was this past weekend where someone got um, like a 4K to get their team back in the game and then they kept getting rounds. Mm. Um, And so that was sort of like important to notice and be like, okay, well, this star player now on their team starting to do really well. So, you know, maybe I expect take them a little bit more in the one on one engagements that they're taking because it's a bit more interesting. And we just saw them like pop off to keep them, you know, from losing the map. Um, but I think it's just taking more time and attention to focus on like the strat that they're going to pull out that's, you know, helping them win the round or, um, you know, whether it's them in the one V one fights, but if you notice them starting to make a comeback, I just try and, you know, take the notice to, to focus on them a bit more. So do you guys ever like talk to the players as well? Like beforehand or afterhand, it's like, you ever receive like, Hey, um, we are like. They ever, you ever get their point of view? It's like, oh, so how 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 do I explain it? More of just like, how's the team going? And if they like feel so confident, you're like, okay, maybe we might just put a little bit more emphasis on them. They're <laughs> really confident going into the tournament at all. I don't feel cool enough to talk to the players. <laughs> <laughs> really? I think the yeah. extent of me talking to the players is sometimes when there's a big stall because you know, like sometimes production takes a while to set yeah. up. Sometimes like. Mm-hmm one random player or their coach, they go into the bathroom or something for like 10 minutes. Um, The extent of me talking to them is asking them what's their favorite color as kind of a way to uh, sell things out, (laughs) buy some time, but that's it. No, Um, I do not talk to players at all about how they're feeling, how it's going and stuff. Um, I don't, I most of my friends in Valorant are either community moderators or working mm. in broadcasting and such. I don't I, I like Casey. I'm not cool enough. But also <laughs> I want to point out that observer bias is a really big thing that we need to overcome. So if I'm spectating one of my favorite teams, I can't just decide, you know, it's going to be the whoever show. I still have to give an equal amount of limelight to the other team that's playing against them especially if they're doing really well um and i don't know that talking to the players themselves is really important but a lot of observers if they're especially in the vct circuit if you know you're going to see teams a lot it is equally as important for an observer to do vod reviews on teams as it is for casters and analysts to do vod reviews because if you can predict that whoever, like, let's say 100 Thieves pistol rounds, you know exactly what they're going to do. It's important for you as an observer to know that in advance so you can capture it and tell it to the audience as a visual storyteller. Yeah, uh, we were told that because we had casters on before. Um, we've had like Pyro and Gompers on and then we've talked to other casters as well. And they talk about how, like, they do, like, uh, for, like, a week in advance or, like, two weeks in advance. Like, if they know, okay, I'm going to cast this team. I'm going to—I want to know all the players. I want to know what their agents are and everything. But so do you guys do the same thing when you guys are like, okay, we're going to observe, um, I don't know, TSM or 100 Thieves. Like, hey, okay, we know what their play style is and we know how they play. So we're going to, like, VOD review beforehand. So casters say tell the story in a verbal way, but you guys tell—you guys actually visually show it. Is that why you guys, a lot of you guys go hand in hand? Yeah, I think it's like when you VOD review, you tend to notice a team's tendencies more. So if you know, like, okay, on Haven, um, gosh, I don't know who's a jet player. We'll just go like with Wardell. Like, you know, Wardell likes to, when he gets his alt, he, you know, goes up immediately and tries to like get a kill. You know, he updrafts and tries to get a kill. And that happens so fast at the beginning of a round that, if you didn't know that he loves to do that, that's, you know, part of his tendency, you might miss it, whether it gets kill or not. It's important info to display. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So just noticing like, OK, this team tends to do this on these rounds or, you know, if they're going on an eco, they always have one person on a hero buy. And so maybe that's the person you want to highlight. because They have a vandal or um, a phantom. But just noticing those patterns in teams can be really important. What yeah. Are, what are your guys' favorite teams to observe? If you're allowed to say. Ooh. 
I know you guys said something about uh, observer's bias, so of course you guys. Let me. If you guys can't say, of course you can't. But up to you. <laughs> That's so hard. <laughs> oh no! If I have a favorite team, actually, because. What about the team that's the toughest to observe? If that can help answer the question. There's a team that's like, damn, these guys play so out of the book, like it's hard to observe them because they're always changing every ad tournament. Pug teams. I've only, I've only <laughs> observed once, but it was, um, and I think it's because this game had a lot of like technical complications as well as it was late at night. But uh, Run It Down was playing in a night tournament. I can't remember who it was against. Um, and they're very true to their name. They ran it down mid like every round and it was rounds were over in like 30 seconds. And that can be kind of hard when it's like chaotic, like five V five fights every time. Um, so, but they're fun to observe. It's not like I dislike observing. I don't think I've ever had a team where I'm like, Oh God, not them. Yeah. Um, it's just like a different style that you really have to adapt to. But they were they were an interesting one to like I had to like be alert and awake and like prepared and be like okay. It's like late at night. It's like damn, I just want to get this over with. But these guys like actually want to get it over with. Yeah, it's like that for a lot of pug teams and teams that are like trialing members too, mm. um, because they're still they're still working on their chemistry. They might not have a playbook yet, really. So. You know, if a team isn't completely sure what they're doing, how can I be completely sure of what yeah. they're doing um, mm -hmm. and who I'm going to choose to really focus on? Those are those are the hard moments for me is when pug teams are playing. <laughs> because I know you guys talk about like VOD reviewing, but you can't really it's hard to VOD review a pug team because they don't it's they don't have vods yeah they don't have vods so you're like all right we're just gonna fuck it we're just gonna wing it yeah <laughs> well i mean that brings up another important point is another important skill for observers to have is to develop quick decision making it's like you're not going to know what's going to happen like when you're observing pug teams when teams are trialing members um it's a challenge and it's a fun challenge you have to mm -hmm. get used to not knowing what well I won't say like not knowing what to expect, but figuring like getting into players heads before um, they kind of figure out where they want to go. Like, for example, a team defaults a lot. You notice that they might not know what site they want to take in the end, but they might have a subconscious tendency to lean B. Then I'm probably going to focus on those B takes, those B mm -hmm. pushes a little more. Mm -hmm. So um, when so what I notice in VCT or like just when I do it, when I watch like VCT um, for a team like Gambit they play a very slow and very like not boring but very methodical so they're like very slow and they'll default almost every round like for an observer is that like kind of hard to do it's like all right so we're just gonna wait here because they're playing default and they're just sitting there for like thirty seconds so when you guys are in that situation are you guys just like what do we do do we just sit here for thirty seconds or do we observe the other team? A little bit of back and forth of sort of just showing like what's happening. Like even if there's so there the slow rounds where there's no action and like the team's not gonna push onto a site until the last like 30 seconds. Um, one as a point of view observer, first person observer, I kind of like it because then I rely on my third person observer to like have the fun creative shots because I'm just mm. like staring at, you know, the person that's like staring at a wall waiting for time to like die down. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of just really showing like, OK, well, they're all sitting mid here and well, this person's jump peeking, you know, on the defenders. Do they see them? No. OK, well, then we're going to go back to mid and see what they're figuring out, what they're thinking and sort of just showing that whole process. And and that's where you can really work with your other observer, too, if you're lucky enough to have one in that instance to show like creative angles or just make it more interesting for like the minute of time that you have to kill. So speaking of like yeah. uh, another observer. So when you guys uh, are solo observing, do you guys uh do you feel like it's more of a stress solo observing or do you feel like it's less stressful because like you don't have to worry about somebody else? Okay, it's like me. All right, I'm going to do how I want it. It's like I got this. Loaded question, I know. <laughs> I mean, like with the second person there, it's a lot easier to catch everything. I mean, you're never going to catch everything, but it's easier to catch more stuff. 
So mm-hmm. sometimes someone will be throwing up a cool arrow that I've never seen before. And like, maybe I really want to watch where that's going to go. But, oh, I can't because it's, the rest of the team's going to peek someone right away. And so like while showing the arrow is cool, I just didn't have time for it. But if I had a second observer there, they could follow the arrow and you could show it up in a pip. So you can like see where that lands and then I can also get the kill. So you're still getting all the information. Um, it is sometimes easier because then it's not like if you're the person who's the TD and like just deciding who to switch between, then you don't have to have that decision. And it's really just, you know, you the entire time. Um, but it can be a bit more stressful of like you want to try and get all the action, but tell a really good story at the same time or get a cool angle. And it's kind of hard to do it with like the preset cams and games or like you're trying to move, but you also want to get the kills and it can be difficult. Hmm. That same thing, same thing as you. <laughs> <laughs> verbatim. She caught everything. <laughs> so, um, when it comes to observing, uh, how, well, we talked about it beforehand a little bit, but like, how do you um, want to be an observer? You're like, do you guys like try? Is like, how oh, I want to be an observer. How do you guys like that? Like, when how you do wanna... you? Yeah, how do you decide that like this is something you want to pursue? Exactly. I feel like it's very niche kind of thing. Well, I don't like talking. I fumble over my words a lot, so I don't think I would be a very good caster for one thing. Um, But I kind of just fell into observing. I never really sought it out specifically. So what happened was um, Casey had mentioned earlier that a lot of female observers in the Gallerance community, we get our start in Gallerance in-house. which are very casual places to casual and consistent places to practice. Um, having the streams of our customs is something that's really nice for the community. And a lot of low ELO players don't get the opportunity to see themselves on stream and have their gameplay broadcasted. So when we hit a point last summer where we couldn't offer broadcasted in-house games, Um, It was because we didn't have enough production staff. We didn't have, while we had enough casters at the time, there wasn't um, an observer, sometimes not a producer to put on the show. So at that time, as a mod for Gallerance, I had thought, well, it's part of my obligation, part of my duty to the community to, you know, put these things on like there's a gap and I'm free on Sundays. I'm able to fill it. So I reached out to Dazed and learned to observe, and I reached out to another person to learn how to produce so I could put these shows on. And then I ended up really enjoying both, and it's stemmed into so much more than, oh, I just want people in my community to enjoy something, because I enjoyed a lot, too. Hmm. Same thing with you, Casey, or different way? Um, Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I started out like first wanting to be a player in Valorant and not like go pro or anything, but just like play at a higher ELO, have fun with it. Um, Then I tried casting, but remembering all the correct names for the agent abilities is hard. And like, that's pretty much where I gave up. I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to have to remember that and calling it the spike every time and just casting is a lot of pressure and it's very hard. So I was like, okay, well, you know, there's this other thing called observing that they talk about. Let me, go ahead and try that and see what it's like. And I've always been pretty good. I've always had like a good mind for games. Um, I just don't have like the aim to do them as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like you need a good mind and understanding a lot for observing. And it's, you know, sometimes a lot of predicting and sort of just understanding the game and the fundamentals and the theory behind it. Um, And so that's why I started doing observing. It's why I continue to do observing and branch out into other games because I find it really interesting. Um, But that's pretty much my main reason. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know how casters uh, because we've asked casters. They said they just memorize it. I've been playing Sova or like different agents since beta, and I still don't know what their uh, util is called. So yeah, it's no, it, no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like when Astro's like it's like Astro suck, Astro concuss, or like just concuss. That's it. I didn't yeah. know there was an actual name behind it, so I was like, I, I'm not gonna like. I don't know how you guys memorize that. But you just you gotta get... befriend casters. You just gotta play games with casters. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I'll... 
I'll play with um one of my really good friends as a caster and he'll I think he was playing KO once and he was he was like, I'm going to whatever the knife is called, but I didn't I'm gonna zero point them or something. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't I don't know what that means. So that's how I learn. It's because the casters I play with will actually call the abilities what they're supposed what they to are. be called even yeah. when yeah. we're playing together. <laughs> Because uh, speaking of the like playing the game, uh, so I know a lot of casters get a lot of flack because of their because they don't rank. play the game. So <laughs> like what, like how we think of it is, we don't care what your rank is as long as you do play the game a lot or like play a game a good amount. That is good enough. Enough to know what's going on. You don't yeah enough to go what's going on because sometimes like we've seen some casters say some things and we're like, you can tell some like no flack towards them, but you could tell some casters like we don't we've noticed they don't play the game. Yeah, like but, in, in VCT too. Like it's some of the casters, you're like, what? What are what are you talking about? So that, that so would that observe would that come to you guys as well? Are you guys like, should uh, should you guys be looked at like, hey, you guys should be playing the game just as much as the casters to understand as well? I think that playing the game helps you understand some timings, but you know, both casters and observers, we don't have time. To play mm. the game when you're booked for events like five let's say last week for example i was booked for four different events each broadcast lasting at least four hours i also work and i'm also in school so i don't have time to play valorant but you know mm -hmm. what it's it doesn't matter because i understand the game and i mm. think that goes for casters too you don't have to play the game you don't have to grind elo you just need to understand the game fundamentally to be able to perform well and to tell the story alongside your colleagues mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'd agree with that it's it's hard as annie was saying to find time to like actually play i've i've noticed since i've taken up more observing like i don't really play any games anymore because the last thing i want to do is continue to sit here and stare at my computer after you know working all day or after working like an eight hour event like it's kind of yeah. just really tiring and i just don't have the energy to do it um and so i think just having like the the knowledge and i mean and you can get that from literally just watching games or watching vods um just a bunch of them watching vct and it's just understanding like how games are being played the tendencies of like what's going to happen here what an agent might do here, what the agent's abilities are. And as long as you can understand that stuff and sort of predict it, then I think you're fine. But like playing like you're never going to play like Sentinels in your rank. Yeah. games. your rank games are never going to be coordinated. It's really your rank games are about, OK, this is peaking here. Sometimes they alt and shooting like that's really it. Or just knowing yeah. like mm -hmm. what angle someone can see someone from. Um, but you're never going to be as coordinated. So it's it's probably more beneficial to watch more than play then yeah because i know like uh that's a hot topic a lot of, a lot of casters get flagged for so like because i saw yinsu one time because she said she was gold but then she got a lot of flack because she's um she's a, she's an analyst also a caster so like she gets a lot of sometimes she gets flack and she's like you don't have to be a high rank as a caster to understand the game because they uh, casters do a lot of vod reviews anyways so like you guys already playing the game but like just more vod reviewing so you guys are essentially it just feels like you guys are already playing the game by just vod reviewing as a whole yeah so that's why it's just like i know observers and casters go hand in hand i'm just that's why it's like more important like for you guys to more understand the game as well because you guys are saying you guys are telling a story as well also understanding what's going on because each player does something different like you'll have a team that plays like run it down whole actually run it down <laughs> or like someone more sophisticated like a more stable and more like tactical like gambit who will like default and just sit there because Twitch chat got, I love Twitch chat sometimes, but they can get kind of crazy with what they can say. So that's why it's just always like, how would you, uh, I want, it's good to know what your observe, like POV is when you guys are doing it and your thought process, because a lot of people don't understand what you guys have to do compared, because they're just watching. You guys actually are behind the scenes. So it's an interesting to see that you guys are saying like, oh no, we, like you guys don't play much, but you guys watch a lot. So you guys already, it feels like you guys are already playing. Yeah, my I my knowledge is better than I could ever play, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Like, I can't play off the information I know, but I know the information I know. Yeah. 
it's just always like that's why like observing is kind of like your sweet suit because uh, i know you guys said like it, casting is a lot of pressure definitely because sometimes like they'll they, you they have to talk consistently and especially like if there's technical pause they're just sitting there talking so it's kind of funny and awkward <laughs> So when there's technical pause, what do you guys do during that time? Because we know what casters do. So what do you guys do in that time? You guys just like wait, or what? Are, what are your like just jobs? Just do flybys, cinematic shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. We're the person flying over the entire map, showing off the bears or little stuffed plushies that are around <laughs> there. Or you know, when players are dancing around in a circle around the yeah. spike or something. Yeah. Summoning <laughs> circle. I don't know. Or what team was it? They did the uh, the tact bear ritual. It was a. a I think Genji was it. Genji, I think it was Genji the attack the bear thing and dance around. Yeah, <laughs> because I know there was this one controversy, right? Um, it was like a Nerd Street uh, event, and as there was a tactical, a tactical pause, not a technical pause, um, the observer was backing up and they showed the whole view. So then on Twitter, I think Davs was like, "Hey, observer, you're not supposed to show the teams where they're going because even there's a delay, it still shows what they're doing." So teams, of course, because it's online, teams could stream snipe. So are you guys like during a tactical technical pause? Are you how, what are you guys supposed to like do to like not give the other team an advantage? If you guys understand what I'm saying, I think that's it, it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Annie. I, I think that's more on the production side. And I will say like. Um, as somebody who has also done a fair amount of producing, it can be difficult to figure out when you should be switching the casters back to desk. Perhaps you can't switch the casters back to desk for some reason. Um, the thing that's really great about a tactical pause is that most of the time people are using the in-game function and it just pauses it. No one can move. You're just hanging out and chilling. But for the technical pauses where you have to use the the actual timer, like you actually stop the timer completely. Um, if it's longer, if you if you think it's going to be longer than however long your delay is, you should probably go back to the caster's desk. And I've made that mistake of not going to the caster's desk before and then getting yelled at it later. But like, you shouldn't be watching the stream if you're a player or a coach anyways, that's in game is my yeah. opinion. Um, but if they were one way to deter that is to switch back to the caster's desk um on the other hand as the observer it's you're just flying around having a good time it's not on you if somebody is stream sniping yeah your job is to show the viewers a good time not to prevent players from stream sniping yeah Uh, that's uh i feel that's a lot of issues when it comes to like online events because you can't really prevent that. Yeah, I think, but I think that's something like people shouldn't have to think about. Like, like yeah, if you're playing the game or you're the coach or whatever, why are you watching the the stream? <laughs> I feel like as like uh, online productions have continued over these past like you know two years, where they become more common, um, like productions have become more equipped to handle it. So I know like certain productions i'll hide my map um if we have like a long technical timeout or i'll try and find places on the map where like it's not showing any of the players and and then like annie said if it takes too long like you know for over like three minutes or something then we switch back to the caster so no one can see um but it's sort of like those little tactics that i feel like vary between productions um that sort of like deter that yeah i think the uh there was this, I don't know if you guys remember, there was this one technic, te- uh, technical pause. It was like last year in EMEA, where like, the uh, there was two Turkish teams qualifying for Masters 3, I believe. And like, it was like, f- for 30 minutes, there was, a te- uh, there was a technical pause. And so, when that happened, like, it was 30 minutes, and then they just cut production because they're like, oh, there's no internet. So... For, I was obser- I was wondering, I'm like, so what are the casters and observers going to talk about or just do for the next 30 minutes when there's a tactical? So all they did was just show the countdown of the timing and they kept resetting it. So I don't know if you guys remember that in EMEA. If you, there was, it was a G2 and Oxygen Esports and then it was a SMB and then another esport uh, team. They were qualifying for Masters 3 and they were, for like 30 minutes, they were just sitting there. So that's why it's like, interesting to know what you guys are doing behind the scene because at, at sometimes it's not even your fault it's just p- players internet just die out 
Ah, uh, yes, online tournaments. <laughs> That's why it's like sucks. I hate online tournaments so much because like shit like this happens and that's why like when it comes to like have, i don't know have you guys ever done any land events like observing any land events i've observed land events remotely <laughs> so, yeah like, so okay. i'm how's the events online how like, is the experience different like what's how's the experience compared to online to land events when it comes to observing um i'm not the one doing ready checks and stuff like that so like normally in the lobby you check to make sure both teams are ready and you check productions ready and then you send the game in or you send the lobby into the game um on lan it's more so everyone telling me that they're ready and then i just press the the ready button um it's not difficult to gather players into the lobby which can sometimes be really annoying online uh, because sometimes people don't like to add you because I don't know friends list and whatnot um but that's pretty much it I mean like the game's still the exact same game people yeah. have lower ping no one's complaining about servers that's really nice um because that can cause some delays sometimes of you know arguing Texas yeah. or Illinois that's like yeah I think I get lost yeah. yeah wait that was an I issue lost because- on Texas because this past challenges, it was like TSM and T1. They were arguing on, all right, I want to play in Illinois or Texas. So, like, when that happening, are you like, are you guys in charge of what servers are playing, or are you guys be like, now how do you guys decide that when it comes to servers? We try and get uh, tournament admins in yeah. to mm-hmm. be the final voice because we're not. I mean, we're not running, you know, the the tournament. We're literally just observing. That's our job, and it's not our job to tell people. Well, you have to play on this because, you know, whatever. That's not our call. We can show in the lobby to the tournament admin what their pings are on each server, and they can calculate the difference and give a final ruling. Um, But it's not our job to be the bearers of that news. So if there's ever like a fight about it, we contact an admin and they can jump in the lobby and give their ruling. Will will they just say, like, I'm not going to play until we discuss this? Like, have you guys ever had that? It's like, oh, don't start. I want to play on, like, for example, Illinois. And the other team is like, no, we want to play on Texas. And they just, like, talk to you guys. And you're like, okay, we're not going to handle it. Just get somebody else to do it, essentially. I've had times where, like, they won't agree. And then, um, you know, shout out to Jasper from Knights. I was going to say Jasper, too. (laughs) the, The fear of God in them. And whenever Jasper comes into a lobby, the entire lobby just shuts up. And they you don't even to need to <laughs> he doesn't even need to come in sometimes if you just like say um jasper says this which like you know i won't say jasper said something without his permission um they'll just they'll just do whatever like casey mentioned before sometimes wrangling players is hard if i have one missing person and i said jasper says get this person in in the next two minutes oftentimes that missing person instantly joins is uh it's what does Jasper go? What does Jasper do? Is he uh what uh, for what uh organization does he like work for when it comes to admins? He works for Knights. Yeah. Knights. Pittsburgh Knights. Yeah. Oh, oh so it, what what makes him so scary? Yeah, wait. I'm kind of <laughs> curious. Why are all the players scared of him? He's I'm kind of curious. He, he just has the power. power. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if he if you are you know being disrespectful to production or you're taking too long or you're arguing, you know. He's got the power to like DQ you or penalize you or you know whatever it might be, but mm-hmm. you know you pretty much act right when when he's around. Essentially, don't take yeah. bullshit from him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, ping disputes. Yeah, if there's, yeah. which there can oftentimes be a ping dispute. Um, tournament admin is the first person that we go to. Okay. But have you, did you guys try to like talk it out with the players like on your own, or is it just like nope, admins? I'm just the observer. I'm just the messenger. I mean, if they're if if it's a situation like they're refusing to start the game, it's like straight to the admin we go. Um, yeah. I as my role as an observer is not to decide what server you're going to be on, and I think this is also kind of um a uh, I don't know the word for it, but um to kind of protect myself and like the integrity of the game i am not the person that should be making that decision the players are the ones that are in the game ping is going to affect them so the players the coaches tournament admins they're all the ones that are talking about servers and things like that i Mm. just watch the game i just push buttons bro don't make me make a decision (laughs) no i understand i understand because i know like uh like for so many tournaments there's always been drama hundred thieves with like 
they had drama with the TSM and T1. They had drama with Ping Issue. So it's always like it was always interesting to know like what actually goes on inside the tournament and like what they're saying. And that's why is that why a lot of te technical pauses before the game. And that's why if you like, for example, a tournament starts at four, but it's why is it just starting at four thirty? Is it because they're arguing or like discussing um, ping issue and because players are just not joining? I would say it depends, but sometimes like from the lobby perspective, if the casters are on live and like are on desk and talking and we haven't started yet, um, it's either because everyone's not in the lobby. Both teams are not ready. So, you know, like someone might be going to the bathroom or something or do, they're just not ready to hop into the game yet. Um, or, you know, there might be some argument about something or, mm -hmm. you know, we're you doing like map bans and stuff still. Um, it sort of just depends. OK, map bans can take a while. It's yeah. I, I'd say more often than not, when there's a delay, it probably has to do with map bans, um, especially if you're in the middle of a day having a team come out of a match and then having to do map bans again, making sure everybody's got water or snack, went to the bathroom or whatever. It's it's a lot. And that's why, yeah. you know, it takes a while to get into the next game sometime. Oh, Sometimes everyone just needs a break, too. You know, like a five minute break for casters. Let them breathe and not talk for, <laughs> you know, five minutes, get a little yeah. rest. Is it for you guys as well? Like when you guys are on break, it's like, right, I'm just going to go for a walk for like five minutes because I've been staring at my screen intensely for like two hours. You get up, do a little stretch. During <laughs> breaks. Yeah. Oh, all get right. Get food. <laughs> you, by the way, are you, do you guys eat while observing? Is this like a common thing? Do you guys like eat while observing as well? Or is that like oh, not a lot? I was, I was just telling somebody it sometimes feels like observers have four arms because we're not just in game, you know, we're also communicating with our producer. And sometimes, depending on the setup, we can't always speak to our producer verbally. Um, like mm -hmm. if a production is taking discord audio, I can't scream at somebody like, hey, team, whoever is taking a technical pause, I can't communicate that. So that's something I'd have to um, alt tab of the game into to type out or type on my phone and then go back into pushing buttons in game. Mm. So, yes, I do eat while I observe. I also <laughs> will scroll on Twitter sometimes between maps or during the half. I'll just be like, OK, there's this cool flyby. Hmm, I wonder what's happening on Twitter right now. Be like doing the flyby <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on my controller while scrolling on my other my phone yeah. with my other I hand. love buy rounds in the beginning of buy rounds because that's the easiest time to like grab a bite of your food because that's yeah. like 30 seconds where like really nothing's happening. Yeah. When yeah. you're working nine to ten hour broadcast, you don't have a choice but to eat food during a game. Do you guys make it beforehand or do you guys DoorDash or Uber Eats for about <laughs> middle of the map? Then like while the map ended, you guys go grab your food real quick and come back. I you well, it depends on how I'm feeling. So sometimes I have, you know, a, like a snack prepared or I'll eat before the broadcast and then just have a snack during the broadcast. And that's a lot easier to just like grab something from my fridge. Mm -hmm. Um, recently I've been doing DoorDash and so I'll try and time it where I'm like, okay, I know this takes an hour. We're about to start our game. Let me order it now. And then, you know, sometimes it has happened where I have to run to my door really quick and grab the food in the <laughs> middle of the cast, but, or in the middle of the broadcast. Um, but yeah, I've, I've mainly been doing DoorDash these days. That's Sometimes nice. I just don't eat. Oh, no, that's rough. <laughs> that is rough. So you're, I, you're going, I get you're yelled going... at it. I get yelled for not eating a lot. I'll just like load up on coffee and chocolates or something. Um, so I've been trying not to tell too many people when I'm not eating, but people have started asking me, have you eaten today? And then making me show them the food in my hands. So shout out to <laughs> those homies for making sure I'm eating. Oftentimes for me, it's DoorDash. Alrighty. Nice. So you got, uh, we know that you guys are at least uh, like fed when you guys are observing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. For the most part. Uh, I think wrapping it up here. Do you have a, a, a question? Shall, shall we do the tradition? Oh, so question? we have a tradition. Every guest we have to ask. Uh, we ask every guest this. Uh, what is your favorite boba order? Uh, classic oolong milk tea, regular ice. Um, thirty percent sweet, and I don't like tapioca, so I usually get herb jelly. You don't like tapioca? It uh, starches make my stomach hurt if I have 
too much of it. So uh, that's there. That's fair. Casey, what about you? I don't think I've ever been to a boba place, so I actually don't really know. I think I went to one in like San Francisco. That's as much as I can remember. Um, so I just get any drinks with boba here from like Thai restaurants. So like I don't know, Thai iced tea with boba. Does that count? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's boba. It's okay. awesome. Because <laughs> we're like over here in Jersey, we have we're like boba fiends. We have like <laughs> boba almost every other block. There's like a there's like boba five minutes away. There's a boba there's like a boba place just in like the mall. So we're boba fiends all the time. I think we always get it right before recording. Usually we always get boba. So that's why it's interesting to always ask you guys. The only people that I've ever like we had we've had TSM wheels on and we've had George Geddes and they both don't like boba at all. They don't drink it. Well, well, Wheel said he's too old for boba. Yeah, he's thirty, but he keeps saying he's old, he which is too not, old for boba. He's not old, but too old George... for boba. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah, it's it's uh, we we roast him about but it. Then then George just he hasn't had it, but I I know I bring it up like every other episode. But the uh, the crew manager, we asked him what boba was. No, no, that was the date. No, he didn't like he didn't like boba. Yeah, he just didn't like boba, didn't period. Like and Gompers, she just only drinks water. We're like, so, like, yeah, Gompers only, only drinks answer. water. She was like, I only drink water. She does not That's drink That's not true. Water. That's actually I a lie. Like she a lie. loves apple juice. I know that for a she fact. She loves that. apple juice. She didn't juice. say that. When we asked her, it was like, okay, so when you go to a restaurant, what do you drink? She's like, I might get a drink, but for the most part, I get water only, or I only get water. And I'm like, so you don't get lemonade, nothing. She's like, no, mostly just water. And I'm like, we should like tweet at her. Wait, well, yeah, like, we're gonna we're gonna tweet her about this. Like you, you lied like to us. <laughs> we got two. We got two witnesses saying you lied to us. So we're tweet at her. But alrighty. Uh, uh, if you guys want to plug in anything, of course, Twitter, anything. You guys are more than welcome to plug in. Uh, my Twitter yeah, is just. Can... Uh... Oh, you go ahead, first. Amy. Your Twitter is. <laughs> my Twitter is Casey Honeycrisp. Uh, that's pretty much it. Same thing as my Twitch, but I don't really stream. Awesome. Yeah. My stuff is found um, twitter.com slash Annie Poo underscore. Underscore is very important. Regular very important. Annie Poo takes you somewhere else. Um, my Twitch, on the other hand, is just Annie Poo, no underscore, because I was able to secure that handle there. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, awesome. I'll see you guys later. Thank you for the listening. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.